Hello, everybody, and welcome back to We Can Do Pod Things. I'm Emily. And I'm Annalise. And we are talking today about the episode featuring Sonia Renee Taylor of The Body Is Not an Apology. And holy fucking shit. Sorry, we're dropping the explicit content right out the gate. Sorry, it not sorry. It requires it. It is, it is mandatory. It's out of our hands. Yep. Okay. Do you have a quote that you want to do? I do. It's super sappy. But I think we can actually tie it back into The Body is Not an Apology. Bet. So this is from The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. So I love you because the entire universe conspired to help me find you. Oh, we can absolutely tie that in to this conversation. A thousand percent. And I can't wait to explore that and reflect on that as we get into this content. Yeah. I mean, right away what it makes me think of is when she says the same universe, the same power, whatever it is, the same thing that created the stars, created the River Nile, created the Mm. sunsets, decided that there needed to be a me and there needed to be a you. And then from there, right away, I went to Mutual Stardust. Duh. Because why wouldn't I? Duh. I mean, it's just all divine. It's all divine. It's all connected. Mm Mm-hmm which I think might be the perfect lead-in to the beginning of we don't have to figure out how to radically love ourselves. We started whole, Mm -hmm. and society, religion, socialization, politics, the patriarchy, white feminism, all the the boogeyman's. It is a full immersion project. It disassembled us mm-hmm. piece by piece. And that ties in to what you said because our divinity, our individual divinity is tied together mm-hmm. with our wholeness and with each other's wholeness. And liberation for me means liberation for you, means liberation for the next person. It's And that that's kind like spoiler alert, three minutes and nine seconds into this episode, but that's kind of the whole point. And with that, I don't even want to wait to just jump right into this okay. because Bet. this is something that I have been trying to make sense of for a long time mm. and I'm still not there. But maybe if I just say it out loud, probably the answer is both and. That's probably the answer. It almost always is. Folks, what you're witnessing right now is Emily, the internal processor, (laughs) coming out of her shell a little bit and experiencing external processing. Love to see it. I am not trying to pick on Adele. (laughs) Just like I don't think that Sonia Renee Taylor was trying to pick on Target. (laughs) I love Adele. We all love a Target. But since her body transformation. Yeah. I have struggled because, yes, it is her body. It is hers to do with what she wants to do. And also, I don't think that enough people were making space for the fact a lot of women were hurt by that. Mm -hmm. It was to them watching her climb back onto the ladder, as Sonia Renee Taylor describes it. Mm -hmm. 
And so, I mean, I hear the voices that say it's nobody's business what she does with her body. And also, like they say in in this podcast, if your liberation is tied to my liberation, is tied to her liberation, if it's all connected, then it is all of our business in some way. Mm -hmm. So how do we make it our business up to the point that it doesn't become a violation of that other person's autonomy and independence to do what they want to do? That feels like my initial instinct is we're we're fucked Mm -hmm. because you don't get rid of that until you get rid of the system, but you don't get rid of the system without doing the work and taking the small steps and it's three steps forward and two steps back. Yes. Which if you've ever actually done that, you walk backwards. Yeah. Two steps forward and three steps back. One of those sayings. One step forward, two steps back. Right. Means you're moving backwards. You are actually moving backwards. It's the illusion of Mm -hmm. something, whether it's the illusion of progress or safety. That was something that um, Abby mentioned. Yeah. And of course, me saying that today is going to be different than if I had said that, if I had processed that yesterday versus tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It it takes some time to sit with. I just sprung it on you. But yeah. I have been trying to work this out for months. You know, luckily I didn't have a very emotionally draining day today. So I'm operating <laughs> from a space of prime. That is dripping with sarcasm, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Did it splash on you? Did you feel that? <laughs> dripping with sarcasm. So... I think, though, that I can leave some space for me to also say yes and, Mm -hmm. and this ties into something that I wrote down that is later, a little bit later on in the episode, learned helplessness. Mm -hmm. And she talks about the way to combat the system is by recognizing the system. Bringing it to consciousness. Yes. The ladder isn't real. Mm -hmm. And that's how you get rid of the ladder. And this concept of learned helplessness within whether it's psychology, sociology, and we know that this is a thing because we have observed in rats who are put in an unwinnable situation, eventually they just stop trying Mm -hmm. to the point where even when I think it's rats that get shocked when they're trying to leave the, the cage. Even after the shock gets turned off, they don't try Mm -hmm. to leave the cage. They just don't. And that is learned helplessness, and that happens in people. And it's a survival skill. It's that freeze sort Mm -hmm. of adjacent skill. But the way that you combat that is simply by becoming aware of it. Mm -hmm. It's not simply by becoming aware of it. But once you acknowledge it, you can choose not to participate in any, participate in it anymore. You can choose to fight back. You can choose to become helpful mm-hmm. to yourself. You can take back your power. Yeah. But you have to be clued in and awake to the fact that this is all a fucking game. And that is terrifying. And she talks about that, that this work is hard. And... Glennon's talked about it before. We've talked about it before. Um, Trisha Hersey talked about it. How it can- Blessings on your day, Trisha. God, 
forever and ever. Amen. Eternal blessings. Eternal on all your days. On all the all of your days to come and have been. It can be isolating and it can be really scary. And you you just have to decide if you're gonna do that or not. And truly, no shame. Truly no shame if you decide that you can't do that. It is your life and you get to live it. And my ability to do work is not tied to my value, making me more valuable than you. And Mm -hmm. when she said, since it's all connected, it's all this automatically reinforcing system. If you avoid doing the work, you are fucking over someone underneath you and not in the good way. Yeah. You cannot say you want to do away with marginalization without allowing it, while allowing it to exist in your own body. Yes. And that, at that point, I turned and I looked at you and I said, are you triggered right now? Mm -hmm. Or do you feel called out? Because what I immediately connected to that was you are so generous with everybody else, Mm -hmm. but you're not generous with yourself. And- I do think that you are genuinely mm-hmm. generous with other people, but you are only going to be able to be so gen- authentically generous for other with other people until you fully commit to yourself. Yeah. And that's how it plays out for me. And I think that it plays out in so many ways for so many people. It's always easier to have compassion mm. for someone else than it is to have the compassion for yourself. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this on other episodes about the whole like parenting. When it comes to if you're a parent and understanding this perspective of like like negative self-talk and like beating yourself up and all that, if you can't do it for yourself, model it for your kid. Mm -hmm. The most recent episode, this is unfair (laughs) because I didn't say we were going to talk about this, but then I listened to it and I can't not talk about it. In the most recent episode, Glennon kind of gives an update on where she is in her recovery. And she talks about, and this is not a revelation necessarily, but the answers were there. It was a revelation to her in the moment. Her therapist said to her, What would you feel if your daughter Mm -hmm. was saying about herself and her body the things that are you saying about? Your body. Um, I would like to point out that I said that multiple, multiple weeks and months ago. And so that therapist probably listened to this podcast. It seems like it. Or has been eavesdropping on my conversations and got that from me. That's almost definitely what happened. <laughs> but I mean, that that's it, is right? Major. Mm-hmm. And part of me wants to acknowledge, like, how fucked up is it that we still inherently, we to buy into it for ourselves, it has to be tied to benefiting someone else. Yes, and. Mm-hmm. Accepting that that is, yep, it's fucked up. Mo- let's move on. We can acknowledge that, yes, in a perfect world, when we are where we are all embodied and none of this has happened to us, we wouldn't have to use that as our motivation. That's not real life. We could sit here and whine about it or bitch about it or or fight that battle. Mm-hmm. Or we could just use this radical acceptance and say, yep, it is fucked up. Let's move on. And I think part of it maybe is they talk about how what we're getting out of 
following along with this program is power. Mm. That's the perk Mm -hmm. for us. Mm -hmm. It isn't, at some point, it stops for most of us about, it stops being about being attractive to other people in the purely superficial way. And it becomes about what doors are opened for me Mm. if I look this way. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's easier for us to see it in the context of ourselves than for other people. Because for example, if I thought about my own daughter in that way, I would think I don't want her to want that kind of power. Mm. I don't want her to have it. I don't want her to want it. That power isn't real. That power is part of a larger system. You know, I can rationalize all that when I'm talking about my child, but that doesn't stop me from thinking that I need that, Mm. that I need to get that. I have so many thoughts about what you just said. Mm -hmm. The first thought that I have been fighting back word vomiting all into this microphone while you were talking was how much we want to control our children's experiences. Mm -hmm. And we want to protect our kids from experiencing things so that they don't have to be hurt or go to therapy Mm -hmm. or whatever it's like and it's I say this sometimes and my therapist cringes a little bit when I do because it's not the most accurate representation but everyone can have a little bit of trauma as a treat it's not (laughs) it's not true we don't want trauma for people we want adversity Mm -hmm. so that we can build resilience but we don't want trauma so I I Laura I understand I know what you're saying but it's I think it's gets the point across. But you're right. We do need to expound on that, that we're not talking about actual trauma. Okay. Um, we don't want for our kids to make these choices. And at the end of the day, if they still choose that, it's their life. You know what I think is maybe one of the hardest things about being a parent in this particular time and place. Mm. I'm not sure if this was a struggle before. Correct me if there's an obvious time when there was. Maybe maybe it was. But to me, it feels like there has never been a time before where parents simultaneously wanted their kids to be built for the best world possible and also be built for the world that we currently live in. Because... If you prepare them only for the world that could be while looking around and seeing very little evidence that we're going to get there, that feels like you're not preparing them. Mm -hmm. And also, if you only prepare them for the world as it is, you are depriving them of so much more beauty and such a richer experience. And we're trying to do both at once. Are you saying we're the first generation who maybe as parents cognitively understands you're damned if you do damned if you don't <laughs> because I'm sure same there are parents before us but yes. i mean in this do you see some uniqueness <clears throat> in the way that yes. it applies to us i think it's it, there there will always be outliers mm-hmm. and there will always be clusters yeah. of groups that are more advanced mm-hmm. than others and these things are exposed in a way that I don't think that they ever have been before. Right. But they are not losing 
their grip on us. So we see them, we can't unsee them, but we're not, it doesn't always feel like we're any closer. Mm. We are, but mm -hmm. it doesn't always feel like we're any closer to being free of them. Mm. Yes. I think we're in a perfect storm of fuckery mm -hmm. to where we are so connected. It's that blessing and a curse. Social media, the internet. Thanks, Al Gore. All of these things are such good tools. And then if it's not balanced, it becomes our downfall. So we have the ability to connect and, and expose our minds to other ways of thinking and become aware of other issues. And yet that then that same tool mm -hmm. is used, a, we can be very easily used against us to continue to perpetuate yeah. the damage. We make, we are the disciples and then we make disciples of this entire thing. And it is subconscious. Mm -hmm. Which is why we got to bring it to consciousness. Right. Which is why we got to, you, it's, you know, have to wake up. Excavate the parking lot. Yes. And she talked about for her, I believe it was her, she referenced, she knew that this country or mm. this structure, mm -hmm. where it was aligned after Sandy Hook. Yeah. Because look at all these white kids that got shot and killed and hurt. And oh, yes, and thoughts and prayers. It was so sad. Shot and killed. And all, I mean, it hasn't. Again, hasn't this is nothing new. All these years later. It's been happening to people prior to that. Mm -hmm. But when it happened to the white kids, not that there weren't any people of color involved in Sandy Hook, but and no, and, and everyone said, yeah, man, that really sucks. And then it's still, nobody did anything. She was like, yep, that's when I realized. Yeah. Where are, where the, the environment that I live, oh, the culture that I live. This system isn't even going to protect the upper middle class white kids. Right? Like, they're damn. They're not going to protect anybody. Right. If they're we not going to protect those kids, they're not going to protect anyone. We are fucked mm -hmm. for sure. And that was her wake up moment. I think we all, hopefully, if you're listening to this podcast, you're interested in waking up. If you're not already in the process of it, understanding that the process is ever, it's a battle. Literally, just like my battle during the day to stay awake and not take a nap every fucking second of the day. I think that this work of growing and healing and embodying, re-embodying is a constant battle to stay awake while at the same time also recognizing that we have limitations and we're doing the best that we can with the skills that are available and we have to give ourselves a break. Yes. it's a, We're always holding two things at once. Yes. And damned it, if you do, damned if you don't. It's hard. And we get fatigued. And when you get fatigued enough, like you said, with those routes, you just want to give up. Maybe this is me thinking out loud. Maybe the way that we break that cycle, God, is just by recognizing that it is a cycle. Do you know, I feel like that's all I really wanted around the Adele conversation. Mm. Yes. I wanted people to say, we do see you. The people who feel hurt by this, mm. the people who feel like this is some kind of a betrayal because they looked at her and I know everybody will say, 
it should only be about the talent. It should only be about the talent. It's never just about the talent. Mm-hmm. As long as artists are appearing on magazines and cashing checks for endorsements, it is not just about their talent. So wipe that off the table. It is about an image. That's part of it. That's not the whole thing, but it is part of it. And these women looked at her and saw something that they weren't used to seeing. Mm-hmm. And it was special for them. And then it went away. And there's some grief there, and they are allowed to have that. It reminds me of, are you aware that we are all going to die someday? (laughs) You don't necessarily have to do anything about it, but can you just acknowledge that I'm not crazy? Yes. If we just went a little further in our vulnerability Mm -hmm. to say – I see you. I acknowledge this. And understanding that acknowledging that is not the same as invalidating someone else's experience. Mm -hmm. And when she talks about intersectionality, for her, it was, I believe it was when she was talking to her friend about sex ed Mm -hmm. and without judgment asking why aren't you using a condom and her, the the friend being incredibly brave and i don't want to say that in like a oh my god she's so brave how could she say that but in just like acknowledging that that is not a lot of people's natural instinct her to say honestly it it, it, it with my disability it just makes it harder yeah i don't feel like i'm allowed to ask for that right And then, and that was, and then her realizing, okay, this, if we are liberating black women, white women, people with disabilities, trans women, men, trans men, trans women, that's why I'm, I'm still contemplating this concept of a womanist instead of a feminist. Mm -hmm. How do we, we need to acknowledge that we have, we, you can't have one without the other. It Mm -hmm. is all connected. And And growing up just a little bit, having the emotional maturity just a little bit more to say, I can point out someone else's difficulties without it saying that, which means you have experienced none. Mm -hmm. It was so valuable to me when she made the distinction between her movement and body positivity. Yeah. Because I've never really been able to articulate or heard someone articulate the difference. And what she says is that if your movement does not acknowledge Mm. the systems of inequity that exist and try to do something about them, it ain't it. Mm -hmm. That is the when we know better, we do better. Mm -hmm. So when you know better, do better. Mm -hmm. If you're not doing better when you know better, you're full of shit. And you can't know better and ignore any portion of the people who are having a disservice. Mm -hmm. And And again, coming back to emotional maturity and being able to understand that I can acknowledge my privilege without it meaning that other people who have the same privilege as me, without saying that we haven't struggled. 
I can acknowledge that someone else's barriers, whether it's a physical disability or a cognitive disability or racial inequality or financial inequality. My dog says hi, everybody. Yeah, we switched up our um, our location, and um, that's for once not my dog barking in the background. That's Simba. That's Simba. If we stay here, this will not be the last time that you hear from Simba. <laughs> <laughs> I have a place I think it's. It's like I can, it's both and. I mm-hmm. can acknowledge that somebody has experienced more discomfort in an area without saying, which means my discomfort is non-existent. Mm-hmm. I'm just coming off of watching the second part, the second season of The Vow. Mm-hmm. So- that's where my head is at. I'm thinking about the women who were victimized, who then victimized other women. Yes. And I mean, that's a much more, yeah. you know, that's right in your face in a way that this body stuff isn't, but it's not different. It's all connected. Mm-hmm. It's rooted in the same thing, which is scarcity. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that goes back to the control. And you were and talking about who gets... The power, yeah, power and, and I control. Mean, in the literal sense, those women were climbing the ladder of the Nixium executive mm-hmm. position, and that going back to who told you? Oh my God, I'm having a moment. I knew I was going to cry today. I knew it. I I just you haven't knew already it. cried today. I knew I was going to cry again today during this podcast. <laughs> <I'm> sorry, <laughs> now who feels called out? <laughs> mm, that's all right. That's all right. Um, who told you that you weren't powerful? Mm-hmm. Who told you that you weren't my best friend? Oh, yeah. Oof. If we can get back to a place where we acknowledge that we have been divine and holy and powerful mm-hmm. this whole time, that is the antidote to learned helplessness. Our, our acorn selves. Yes. She talks about an acorn doesn't need to be told mm, to grow how to grow into a tree. It's it's coded in there. Mm-hmm. It's written in there. It's instinctual. I had a note about that where she talks about she was on her own eat, pray, love journey. Mm-hmm. And at some point she was talking to her inner child <clears throat> and her inner child said, I want to go home. And she was like, oh, of course you do, honey. Like, I'll be your home. I am your home, right? Like, we, I'll be your home. We, we can make a home wherever we are. And then her inner child was like, no, bitch. I want to go home. Put me on a plane. I want to go back to <laughs> Pittsburgh. I want a hoagie. I want to go home. Yeah. This is not a theoretical. Yeah. This is a definite need. Miss me with all your <laughs> therapy strategies and everything abstract that you're trying to do. Which I think is balance. Mm-hmm. I like legit like it's balance. Yeah. Um and how for me it is this current battle that I'm having of instinct versus impulse. Mm-hmm. And how do I know to trust myself? How do I know what's a boundary versus a growing point? And her tying that back to it being not thinking mm-hmm. but knowing. Her knowing, going, oh no, wait, this is legit. This isn't just whatever. This is this is a core need. And 
since everything is so connected, how difficult it is to then go, how do I know? Mm-hmm. And I have been socialized and thanks to generational trauma, physically encoded to continue certain patterns or cycles so that I continue to be disembodied. How do I embody when I don't, how do I ask for what I need when I don't know what I need? How do I even know which of the voices in my head is mine? Right. They're all you. Mm -hmm. They have become me, but they didn't start out that way. There was a time when there was one voice in my head and it was me. And it didn't get split into a billion different. It didn't get split into four characters. The world gave me all of this feedback. And that became this chorus of voices. I didn't know that I was supposed to not love my cellulite Mm -hmm. until I was told I needed to love my cellulite. I mean, you have kind of a musical ear, so maybe you can do this. But I don't think very many people can listen to an entire choir sing and pick out one voice. Look at one person and say, okay, I'm only going to hear that one person's voice, even while all of these other people are singing. Yeah, I don't think I can do that. I don't know. I'm sure. Like I said, there's always outliers. I've never heard of anyone actually being able to do that. Mm-hmm. You can recognize. I mean, it, there are people who can pick out their own kid's voice mm-hmm. or recognize their loved one's voice because you have trained yourself to recognize that. There are people that can do that. A stranger? You can't do that. If you can, email us at <laughs> podthingspodcast at gmail.com and talk to us about it. Maybe you should come on the show because yeah. that is Teach a fantastic you know. gift that would make, I think it sounds like life a lot easier. Mm-hmm. It. Speaking of feedback, if I can real quick. Yes. This was another thing that was in the very recent podcast where Glennon talks about where she's at in her recovery. And she talks about standing in her closet and realizing that so many of her clothes will no longer work for her. Mm. And she said, I got rid of damn near everything and I replaced those clothes with clothes that do not provide feedback. (gasps) Isn't that good? That is an excellent tool for healing that specific wound. I never thought about that, but we do get feedback from our clothes. If Mm. they're too tight, we feel that, we hear that, it plays in our head all day long. We are, re- we, the, we are, the thing is, is we have to be able to recognize that mm-hmm. in order to stop participating in that. Yeah. But if we can, if, if we can continue to be disembodied mm-hmm. and not recognize physically, this makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And the alternative isn't change my body, it's mm-hmm. change my clothes, then we will continue to participate in that system. So let's get rid of the narrative that sweatpants and all these other things are slouchy, they're slobby, they're lazy. I mean, who hasn't heard something like oh, that? Oh, yeah, of course. But what if it's just, I'm going to wear clothes that don't interfere with me actually hearing my own voice in my head. Okay, this is just ridiculous because what that reminds me of is when I went to a private Christian school 
and we were not allowed to wear jeans Mm -hmm. and there was a dress code and it was all about you wearing clothes that facilitate learning. Mm -hmm. And when you look your best, you feel your best. Your best according to who? Right. And also, I mean, that two things can be true at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is true that we need to take care of ourselves and have personal hygiene and um, take pride in our appearance. However, again, it goes back to who is telling us that we shouldn't be proud to begin with. Mm -hmm. And also her talking about religion versus divinity and how, like it or not, you can trace a shit ton of this disembodiment back to <clears throat> religion. Yeah, it it removes you from the experience of your body. That's one of the first things that it does. You're you are not, not a body. You are a soul. You're a soul. Mm-hmm. And you have to overcome the urges and the hardships of having a body. And that is, okay, right? We have the soul, if you want to argue the soul, gut. Mm-hmm. Heart, brain. The sooner we can get you to abandon heart and brain, mm-hmm. aka body, then the more we can control you. Yeah. This is what Keith Ranieri did. Oh. I can't help it because it's still so fresh yeah. since I just finished it today. I actually just referenced it this morning in this conversation that I had to. I said that we were talking about a specific concept and I said that's why cults are so insidious. Yeah. And I actually DC used dubs, we are all existing in several cults at once. Mm-hmm. Everything is a cult. Yeah. Well, to a degree. She talks about it as you're always living in an imagination. Uh, yes. But is it yours? Yeah. This imagination that we're living in now is the imagination of straight white dudes. And it goes back to intent. Mm-hmm. This is another thing I said this morning. The difference between a knife in the hands of a surgeon versus a serial killer. Mm-hmm. If if we are doing this body acceptance versus radical self-love or whatever, if we are doing this to empower and free and embody everyone, to me, I feel like that's a surgeon. Mm-hmm. But if we are doing this to continue a narrative that does anything other than tied to the liberation of everybody, that's in the hands of a serial killer. And when you talked about that, the whole um, curiosity mm-hmm. and her solution is <clears throat> just get, getting curious about what if, what if I don't subscribe to this and people being like, I can't live in an imagination. And then her saying, you already are, girl. You already are. You already are living in an imagination. And also – you're going to get kicked off this ladder sooner or later. Mm-hmm. We all are. Mm-hmm. It is not sustainable. So maybe just leave while it's up to you. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about this phrase earlier today, and then it popped right back into my head. To fuck around is human, but to find out is divine. Oh, okay. Because I think the, is it Shakespeare or maybe Socrates? I don't know. They're what a, an I old, don't know if either one of them said that. No, they didn't. They said a version <laughs> of that. They said to err is human. Oh, yeah. To something is divine. Mm. To fuck around is human. To find out Thy is divine. Thy fucketh around. Thy fucketh around. <laughs> Thy shall findeth out and be closer to your own divinity. Yes. 
So let's fuck around and find out. Yeah, I guess so. At some point, you have to decide, shit or get off the pot market, off your bingo card, I'm either going to stay asleep mm-hmm. or I'm going to wake up. I don't know what's going to happen, but either way, make a decision. Yeah. And that then reminds me of how she talked about you are going to lose. Mm-hmm. There is going to be loss when you do this work and when you <clears throat> look in that mirror and inspect yourself. Take inventory. Take inventory. You There's going to be loss. Mm-hmm. There's going to be grief. But there's also going to be gain. And we have to believe that the point of all of this pain mm-hmm. is that there will be gain. And now I'm having a moment with that whole no pain, no gain phrase that I feel is problematic because it's also a little bit of ignoring our needs and our bodies and and blah, 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 blah. Yes, and. Yeah. It It can't be taken as just a blanket statement for any situation and everything. That's culty. It has power because there is truth in it. But that doesn't mean it's always true. Exactly. And who benefits? from its trueness Mm -hmm. does somebody else benefit from you believing that or do you benefit does it get you closer to your divinity and that was one thing that she talked about how do i know what's the right kind of hard and for her am i getting closer to my own divinity this is just me getting hung up on just the semantics of good the idea that our physical expansion our moreness. Mm, I'm loving this. You know, Mm -hmm. the idea that the more space you take up in the literal way, the more we try to discourage you from taking up that space. I mean, it's just so insidious. Am I on LSD right now? Because I feel (laughs) like this is one of those moments where it's like, Everything that I have ever said mm-hmm. or thought about or wondered about is tying together in that statement, mm-hmm. in that stay whole and let them fucking choke, yeah. in stop cutting yourself into smaller pieces, in stop apologizing for taking up space. The body is not an apology. Mm-hmm. It. It, it does. It all just comes back. It all just comes back. And I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to revel in that. And I'm going to think about it. And I hope that there's one person listening to this podcast besides you and me, possibly five times a day. But if there's not, I'm still learning I'm go- Exactly. I benefit <laughs> from it. And I I know that the more that I liberate myself, the mm-hmm. more that I, I am able to liberate people, other people. When you started with the quote, it was about, I think, trusting that your person is going to. I know that I love you. The universe conspired to bring me to you or to bring To help me me find you. That is trusting that the things that are meant for you won't miss you. Jesus, fuck. This is. And Sonia says almost that exact thing. Yep. Trust. Magic. Mm -hmm. I have my in my notes, trust, magic, lucky girl theory, and manifestation. Mm-hmm. I don't know a ton about lucky girl theory, but I think it's a trend on TikTok. Well, it's not specifically a TikTok trend, but it is something that is being disseminated to the masses via mm-hmm. TikTok. 
and how I learned a lot from TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> I learned so much from TikTok. Tiki, Don't you? That ticky talky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do actually. My grand, my grandpa loved an orange TikTok. Loved a good orange TikTok. And also, I learned a thing or two from TikTok. And I want to hear more about this lucky grape because I, I think I know what it is, but I want to hear from you what it is. I have to find the article that I read about it and send it to you. But it was all it was about like a lot of these women that go on and um I wake up every day and tell myself that um I'm going to have a good day today. Mm-hmm. Everything that I need, I am going to find today. I'm going to is going to come to me today. Manifesting. Literally, it's mm-hmm. just manifesting, just, but it's manifesting. Mm-hmm. And how some of that is feels really weird and hokey and and disingenuine. But what do we know? What do we know to be true? We know that if we convince ourselves we're getting sick, we will get sick. Mm-hmm. No SIBO, placebo. We know that that's real. So why shouldn't <clears throat> manifestation be valid to a degree? Am I saying that if I sit here and think about it hard enough, a million dollars is going to plop right down in front of me? I'm not willing to go out on the ledge and say that that is possible. But if you think that it's possible, and then you go for it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to also take some other steps, balance, to make sure that I am making that possible. Mm-hmm. Or at least do my damnedest to make it possible. And how important it has been for my own healing to give up this control of this is what I feel is meant to happen. And so I'm going to fucking make it happen. Mm-hmm. I am in love with you. I know that you're the person for me. So I'm going to make this relationship work. Yeah. The difference in what you were saying about lucky girl theory and saying I am manifesting a million dollars I think that you said lucky girl theory is good things are going to happen for me today. Yes. But it doesn't say what is going what that is going to look like. It's not trying to control the specific yes. outcome. Yeah. It is the opposite of that which is giving up control yes. yeah. and saying I am going to accept what the universe has in mm-hmm. store for me. And if it is true that I'm in love with Channing Tatum and I know that someday he's going to come to my little old town and he's going to meet me and he's going to fall in love with me. I don't have to stalk him for that to happen. If I truly believe that, I can just let the universe do its work. And if it's meant to be, it will happen. I don't have to force a relationship. I don't have to force a job. I don't have to force a narrative if it is a core need, if it is something that I truly believe, something that is tied to my divinity in my knowing, I don't have to do anything about it. I can believe that it is going to happen and I can do what I know. I can do the best that I can mm-hmm. with the skills that are available to me. <clears throat> I can trust myself to make the right choices. And what happens is what's meant to be. Yeah. And the more that I embraced that idea, the more. I fucked around and found out. Mm -hmm. The more I started seeing, oh, wow, look, this comes back. This comes back. Mm -hmm. When, you know, God closes a door, he opens a window. 
Or when I let that door close, I just opened a fucking garage door that I didn't even know was there. But I wouldn't have known that it was there if I had tried to force that other door open. Yeah. If you do this work, if you do the work, period, you're going to lose, but what you gain will outweigh, pun intended, <laughs> what is lost. You ha- and, ha- and choosing to believe that and be, this is the difference between being pessimistic or optimistic, choosing to believe. Thinking it's the right kind of hard. Yeah. yeah, it's hard. I'm in it and it's hard. But if I think that it's the right, if I know that it's the right mm-hmm. kind of hard, it makes it doable. Which of course endurable. then- Endurable. Chicken and the egg. What? Which comes first? The fact that I can be embodied enough to trust my knowing mm-hmm. or to empower myself to be more embodied so that I can access my knowing. Right. That is where I stop being coherent because I don't know the answer to that. I don't know that I will ever know the answer to that. But you know what I can do? I can be curious about fucking around to find out if I can Mm -hmm. figure it out. I want to ask, what does all of this mean for a professional athlete like Abby? Well, since you mentioned it, and I am an expert on both being a professional and athleticism. (laughs) She talked about um, where you you will you'll know the quote the quote better. What what she said about when I'm she, looking at myself and I'm trying to figure out how to change and improve. What are all the things that I need to change? What are all the things I need to improve? How do you separate that though from doing a job mm. where you have to you have to treat your body like a machine? This whole Movement is about not treating your body like a machine, not recognizing other bodies as machines meant to do bidding. But when you're Hello, an athlete, Trisha Hersey. Yeah, we see you. When you're an athlete, your body is literally a tool, a machine to do your bidding. So what does that mean for anybody who wants to pursue that? I don't have the answer. I don't know if there is one. I'm thinking it requires us to be empowered enough to say who is benefiting mm-hmm. from this yeah. change. Is it getting me closer to my divinity? If my losing weight happens as a result of treating my mental health, then it happens for me. Mm-hmm. If I'm losing weight in order to fit in, it's, it's, it's belonging versus fitting in. Mm-hmm. If I'm losing weight to fit the standard of somebody else who benefits from stealing my power, mm-hmm. then it is not as good. Right. And um, this concept of stopping and asking a lot, mm-hmm. who's benefiting from this? Yeah. Whether it's legislature or um, social media, when something is free, nothing mm-hmm. is free. Nothing is free. If an app is free, then you (laughs) are the data. You are the commodity. You are the tool. And also, it's it's not even as simple as knowing who's benefiting because, man, why can't anything just be simple? Because there are going to be times where we are benefiting, but we are benefiting 
by being recipients of this fake power that yes, we talked about. Because it comes back to scarcity. So we're getting the thing that we want or that we think we want. Mm. It feels like we're benefiting. We think we're getting this for ourselves, but we're not doing ourselves any favors. And we're certainly not doing anybody below us on the ladder any favors no. by cashing in these perks. If my liberation is tied to you continuing to be enslaved, mm -hmm. it is not true liberation. Right. If my movement does not acknowledge everyone, it ain't it. Mm -hmm. And why, who benefits, again, who benefits? Who is out there living a better life because I am doubting that I had this power and control and this worth and this value to begin with. Mm -hmm. When did I lose it? Who told you you weren't my best friend? <laughs> I still want a name. I, I want a name. I want an address. Who told you I'm... that that was not what it is? Because they're liars. So what I'm hearing is if I believe it hard enough, I will always be your best friend. Yeah. I'm going to manifest the shit out of this best friendness. <laughs> I have to go back because I know that we're approaching our time, but I can't miss a chance to talk about this because I know that it's something that you experienced. There was a time not long ago where I started a new medicine and it didn't last, but for a few days, I it suppressed my appetite and it felt like freedom mm. because I wasn't spending all of my time thinking either I'm going to eat or I'm not going to eat. Mm. And what does it mean if I do? And what does it mean if I don't? And do I want to, or do I not want to? Do I just think that I want to? Like, even when you are trying to push against these things, when it's raised to consciousness, it can still take up a lot of space. Applied behavior, Emily over here. And so I found myself thinking, oh, this would be so nice to just have this all the time. Maybe I should look into getting a medication that I don't actually need. I don't mm. actually need any kind of medication that would do that for me. Mm -hmm. But I thought, what if I could? And it wasn't about getting skinny. It was about not having to think about this stuff all the time. Who told you you didn't need that? Well, Okay, I won't say for sure that I don't need it, but I know that in my head when I was thinking about this, I wasn't seeking it because I need it. Were you like looking for like the poor man's version, the illusion of it well, versus- Are we talking about, I'm talking about, I don't right. literally need the medication. The, the one that you stopped taking? The one that I am still taking, that only that effect only lasted for a couple days. And when it wore off, I thought, okay, probably- I could get something. I know what they are. I know. Right. You're getting the substitute. Yes. The... I know what it would oh, be. Vivance, for example. I know that if I could get a prescription for that, it would accomplish that for me. That I would not have an appetite and therefore not have to think about all of this all day long. What makes you think you don't need Vivance? But I'm saying it's not about whether I really do need it or not. I'm talking about in my head, mm. I wasn't. Even if I was thinking I don't need it, but really I do, what's important is that I wasn't thinking about getting it because of the needs that I have mm -hmm. that may be real or not. I was thinking about getting it so that I could achieve this effect that has nothing to do with those things. Mm. Two things can be true at the same time. Yeah. And so, I mean, I've had some judgment for people before who 
take those medicines and then talk about how these medicines are so great because of that the the body effects but i kind of get it now in a way that maybe it's not really about the the look that they have achieved from it but it's about not feeling like their brain is in this cage mm -hmm. of having to think about this singular thing all the time what if all of the energy that I poured into thinking about X, mm -hmm. I cut that even in half. Hell, I got one quarter of that energy mm -hmm. back. What could I accomplish? Yeah. yeah. I uh, will not get on the soapbox about women and ADHD and food mm -hmm. and all of that, but that is definitely a thing. Oh, gosh. What if part of it is just, we can't focus on anything else because we're always thinking about what we're going to or not going to put in our bodies. Hi, hello. I told you I wasn't going to get on this. Stop <laughs> giving me a stepladder to get up there. Yes. Who benefits from that, by the way? Mm -hmm. Who benefits from keeping women in specifically, but also it happens to men yeah. as well, and it happens to non-binary folk? Who benefits from us being so distracted yeah. from our full potential with that issue. Mm -hmm. I think we all know who benefits. And it it's not rocket science. Right. Any final thoughts? Hmm. I'm just so, so grateful for people like Sonia Renee Taylor, Trisha Hersey, like Glennon and Abby and sister who bring these people onto their show and give them a platform. They both have rather large platforms anyway, but it's just, you know, Trisha or uh, Sonia talks about that, that we are in a unique time where she can sit on a podcast mm -hmm. with three white women and talk mm -hmm. about these things. What a gift. Mm -hmm. As much as I talk about how hard it is to be a parent in this generation, it's hard because we are getting that much closer to liberation. Mm. And it's the right kind so of hard. So don't stop. Yeah. It's the it's the right kind the of right hard. Right kind of hard. Yes. And it's about if we can balance mm -hmm. and embody. I think I'm just gonna get those phrases tattooed like right straight on my face. Like kind of post Malone style. I feel like a little acorn would not be a bad idea for a tattoo. Oh my god. Right. Well, what if what, what if it was an acorn floating in some galaxy stardust? Mm. What if it was a constellation that we make up that's an acorn? Oh, there it is. That's the one. That's the one. Oh, I love it. Um if we can balance and use the tool and not let the tool use us, I think that that is a massive key to enlightenment, embodiment, health, happiness, satisfaction. If we are able to sit with the discomfort of growth, and if we are able to get curious about, is this a core need? Is this a boundary? Or is this uncomfortable because it is an opportunity to grow? Mm -hmm. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, we hope that you feel as psychedelic <laughs> as we do right we now. We hope you feel groovy right We're now. so groovy, baby. Um, thank you again so much for listening. If you want more, we have a, about a half a day's worth of other episodes for you. Um, 
go back and take a listen. No, we're not. Despite how maybe some people would probably like for us to (laughs) can't stop. Won't stop. You can also follow us on Instagram at we underscore can underscore do underscore pod underscore things. We can do pod things with underscores in between each word. And you can always contact us um, at podthingspodcast at gmail.com. I'm Annalise. I'm Emily. Have a great rest. Go out and be a sunset in these streets. Yes. Mwah.